0: We are continuing. Uh, We're in our third week of a six-week series where we're walking through the values of this congregation, the mission, the vision, and the values, called the River Playbook. A playbook is simply something that coaches use to clarify to their team, clarify uh, to the people who are are sort of executing the game plan of the team uh, what it is that they're supposed to do, and as we think about in this community, the things that God has called us to do in both our mission, and our mission is to make disciples who put God's love on display to the world. Our vision is to see a people inspired by God's love, faithfully sharing that love with the world. When we think about those two things, how we do that, how we execute that, is our values. And these five values, which last week Nick introduced us to the value of disciples welcoming. And um, you're going to see these banners in the wall as we continue. They're going to remain up there. That we welcome, we joyfully welcome people into our lives. That's part of us then sharing God's love with others. Now this morning we're talking about disciples growing. And we obediently grow by following the Holy Spirit's work in us. That's a value that we want to communicate, that we want to live out. And so this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to spend some time looking in God's word for how he calls us to do that. Some things that Paul was writing to the Corinthian church that help us understand how we grow and how we think about growing. Before we spend time in God's Word this morning, let's pray that God might show us his truth and that he might illuminate to us those things that he wants us to hear. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word. We're reminded that your Word is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet, to show us where to go and what it is that you call us to do. We pray, Lord, that this morning... That you meet us through the power of your word and through the presence of your Holy Spirit, which is promised to us. That you meet us and Lord, grow us. Even as we think about our kids physically growing, it seems like every second Lord, may we also be people who are growing every second in our hearts and our minds of how we know you, how we love you, how we understand your calling on our lives. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that those who are here this morning who need, uh, need growth in how they think about their doubt and their fear, we pray that you meet them. Lord, speak to that those doubts and those fears through your presence, your encouragement. We think of those who, who sit here and, and, and are complacent, Lord, in their faith, who who have not really thought about growing, who've not really thought about steps to take in order to be more in love with you and have more knowledge and understanding of you. We pray, Lord, you meet them. Lord, we pray that it's almost like an electrical charge that moves through us to jumpstart what it is that you want us to do. And Lord, we pray for those who are growing by leaps and bounds. Lord, meet them as well. Give them encouragement that, Lord, what they are doing is obedience, is your call to us. And, Lord, we pray that you continue that work of growth in us today, and you do it through the power of your Spirit because of the work of Jesus Christ. We pray these things all in that name of Jesus. Amen. So, um, a couple months ago, a good friend of mine, and I, just through some discussions about different things, decided to start doing some hikes some some not like you know like a mile hike or a two mile hike we we're looking for for big hikes, and we went on a big hike hike up to Mount Baldy. Has anyone ever hiked Mount Baldy before? Mount Baldy is a beautiful mountain. It's only about maybe uh, 30 miles away, just outside of Rancho Cucamonga. It's a beautiful, beautiful hike. There's this park called the Devil's Backbone, which was just incredible. It's terrifying, but it's also just beautiful and incredible. It was this great experience of a day, not only experiencing God's creation, but uh, but experiencing with a friend. We just had a wonderful time. It was a great hike. Well, out of that came a group of people, Uh, we sort of sent some text messages back and forth, a group of people who wanted to do some big hikes. Usually these hikes are, for sure, above 12 miles there's significant elevation change. In fact, within a week, we have a hike planned. I think it's 16 miles with about 6,000 feet of elevation change. Um, and I'm going to be preaching next Sunday or the day after I do it. So hopefully, I can still have coherent thoughts and welcome or, or walk while I'm up here. But um, we, we already did one that wasn't quite that long and quite that high. But it was interesting because it was a hike through a burn zone. A couple of years ago, in this particular area, there had been a forest fire, and certainly we know in Southern California here how dangerous they can be, and this forest fire had wiped out, I don't know, a few thousand acres of the the, the forest, and um, as you can well imagine, after a forest fire, it takes a while for that land to recover, and, and the... the the whoever is in charge of trails said, we don't want people to damage the trails. So they closed it for two years, and they just opened it about a month and a half ago so people could actually go through this burn zone for the first time. Well, we did that about a month ago. We, we walked, I think it was about 12, 13 miles through this burn zone. And as we're walking through this burn zone, I'm looking around and... The growth is incredible. If you've ever been through a burn zone, you know how that works. The big trees, the canopy of the trees burns, and all that leaves and all the the branches that are up high blocking the sunlight from hitting the ground are gone. So all the little seedlings on the ground are just exploding all over the place. And literally you can see hundreds if not thousands of little smaller trees that for the first time, they have maybe sat there as seeds or saplings for decades, but they haven't grown because they haven't had enough sunshine. All of a sudden, now they have sunshine, and it's like this explosion of growth as they compete to grow high enough to be the new canopy of the forest. And what I was struck by, as I was thinking about that in light of this morning's message, that these trees, these little saplings— over the next couple of years are going to go crazy and they're going to grow because God made them to grow and they have no choice but to grow. We are like those saplings in that we are made to grow. The one difference is we have a choice to grow or not. And what's striking to me as I look around my life, and as I look around the world, there seems to be some people who have chosen to stop growing, right? How many of you would say at some point in your life, maybe you're in there now, if you're in there now, fine. How many at some point in your life felt like you stopped growing for a time? You sort of sat and sort of evened out and even killed and then grow. I'm, I'm that person, I can I can name several times. I can name perhaps even decades sometimes when that happens. Because you get stagnant in your growth. Because we have a choice to grow. And in order for those plants to grow, they do all these things. Photosynthesis and their roots go down and their their leaves spread out. But because they're made that way and they don't have free will, they're going to do it. Since we have free will, even though we are made to grow and do certain things... Sometimes we choose not to do those things. I have a feeling that if I were to ask the question, how many of you know you need to be a part of Bible study, but you just haven't chosen to do it? If I were to ask that question, have you raise your hands, there'd be many hands raised. If I were to ask the question, how many of you know you need to be a person of prayer because it grows you, except you just don't have the time or keep forgetting or it's just not that important to you? I have a feeling if I asked that question, people would raise their hands. And yet, these are all things that God calls us to be about to grow how do we think about those things now at this point in our lives to understand how we can then do that? If we are called to be people who grow, and God is calling us as a community to value that, and that we are growing, following the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, how do we think about that? Well, let's dive into God's word this morning and see what he has to say to us. We're going to begin at verse 1 of chapter 3 of First Corinthians. Brothers and sisters... I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's servant, service. You are God's field, God's building. So from the beginning, we find out that in this Corinthian church, there's an issue about growth. And what the issue is, is if you are a person who listens to or follows this leader, then you're doing the right sort of growing. But if you follow this leader, then you're not doing the, sort of, the right sort of growing. And there's a number of leaders that get mentioned in this passage. Paul is one of them. We know Paul is the great missionary of the early church. He spends all these times going to various places planting churches. But if you read the book of Acts specifically, you're going to find over and over again that Paul jumped into a community for really oftentimes a very short time. He would be there for maybe three, six months. At the most, maybe a year to plant a church, start a church. But then he would move on to another community and start another church. Well, he was then somebody who was a part of helping people grow but then there were others who came after one of which who was apollos and apollos would he came to this corinthian church after Paul had been there, and he was a discipler. He was the sort of person who said, here's some things that you need to understand. Here's some things that will help you grow. Here are some things that can help you become a better follower of Jesus. Well, the idea became in the minds of some of the people. Well, Paul, he was the original. He was like the OG guy. And he was. since he's the OG, we're going to follow him. But then other people said, But well, Paul has really good things. And we need to listen to some of the things that he's saying and take those sorts of steps. And it became a little bit of a controversy. So much so that there was a little bit of division in terms of how you think about growing and where you get the source of your growth. And Paul, right from the beginning, is, is challenging that idea. And he's saying, hey, guess what? It really doesn't matter. And he actually does that by putting to, into this passage a couple metaphors. And the first one is infant growth. The second one is plant growth in this section, and in both, there are stages of development that has to be gone through. Like I said earlier, when I was talking about this burn area, a, a, a plant, a tree, in order to grow, needs to be planted as the seed, and then the seed needs to go through the stages of development in order to become a sapling, and a sapling then grows into a full-blown tree. An infant, we know, it goes through the gestational time, um, pre-birth, and then it's born, and it goes through the stages of development. And all of us who are parents know that our kids have to go through some of those stages. In fact, it becomes a great concern sometimes when our kids don't go through the right stage, right? If you have a, a kid who doesn't talk until like two years old, that's a concern for some parents because you have to walk through certain things. What Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is you need to go through the stages And don't be so much concerned about who is helping you through those stages or how you're getting through them. Instead, be more concerned about who the source is, who ultimately is the one growing to. You see right here, there's the credit given. What does Paul say? He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And he's calling these people to understand God's growth in their lives. He's also saying that he's a part of helping grow others. And I wonder if that's also a calling for us. Are you a part of helping others grow or are you simply more concerned about your own growth? I think about that a lot in my own life. I certainly have the calling as a pastor to help other people's growth grow, and I take that responsibility very, very seriously, and I want to give as many opportunities as I can for people in this congregation, people who are close to me, people who are friends, my own family, to grow. I want to do that, but so often I neglect the other side of it and say, who's helping grow me? How am I participating in that process? And for us to all wonder, is there somebody that I'm helping grow, that I am in the Paul, Apollos uh, illustration, is there someone else who's had a seed planted, but I'm a part of watering it? And then somebody else has planted a seed in my life, are there other people are wanting it, watering it. Are we part of that discipleship process? We use that word discipleship. Discipleship simply means this, progress in becoming a disciple follower of Jesus be more Christ-like and for us to understand that all of us are called to that process in fact what we see here from the text is that process is actually non-negotiable you wonder whether or not that process is non-negotiable let's jump back in verses 10 through 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now, look at how Paul describes this. He says that there is building going on. It's just a question of how you're building and what you're building. Are you building, using, in the illustration he uses, is gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw? And my challenge for us to think about this morning is, I'm telling you, and I believe God's word says that, that you and I are being built. The question is, what is being built? All of you are being built. I am being built. But what is being built? Each day as you wake up and participate and follow the things that God has called you towards and that you, you choose to be involved with over the course of the day, something is being built in your life. If you are a part of engaging with God's word, his living word, his light to your feet, his lamp to your path, that is something that grows and builds you. If you are a person who is seeking intimacy with God through prayer, through through conversation with him, intimacy with him, if you are a person who is, is thinking about others in terms of how you love them as God has called you to love them if you're thinking about that or instead if you're I don't know playing bejeweled watching television checking Facebook as you're pursuing addictions as you're in some of the frivolity and foolishness of life as you're simply lazy Guess what? Even then, you're building. You're building stuff. The question is, what are you building and what are you building with? And my, my guess is, as we look at, you know, if you think about your 8,560 uh, minutes over the course of the day. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong. Whatever that number of minutes is over the course of the day. If you think about that, how much of that is about building With gold, silver, costly stones, and strong wood. And how much of it is straw or hay or dross or rotten stuff. For us to wonder about that. It's it's this idea again where God calls us through Jesus Christ saying in the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. That if we're going to love God with all of our heart, then how we build over the course of the day and in our lives, how we build reflects our love for him. And if we don't build well, it will get exposed. It's interesting. The word there that Paul uses is fire. Fire is something that if you take it to a building, you're going to find out how well a building is built. And certainly we've seen evidence of that over the course of this past summer. We've seen, you know, you see those buildings in a horrible fire zone, which, uh, I mean, there's nothing left. I mean, basically just the foundation is there. And you've seen others that seem to have survived. Well, the question is why. Maybe they were built better. Maybe they were set up better. Maybe the land around them was prepared better. And for us to think, we're going to have fires in our lives. How do we prepare the ground? How do we prepare the foundation? How do we build the walls so that when the fire comes, we can handle it? The fire of the death of a patriarch of a family, John Cone. The death of of our health with cancer. The fire of fingers being cut off. The fire of broken and shattered relationships, of words spoken to us that hurt and cut deeply. How do we handle the fire? Well, depending on how we handle the fire, it's going to depend on how we built to prepare for it. And friends, I think for us to continue to wonder about that, because all of you will go through fire. All of you will. You will all have death in your life. There's not a single person in here, to my knowledge, who hasn't been affected by cancer or addiction Or something that has thrown fire at you. That is a promise that that will happen because there is sin in this world. How do we face fire? Because if we don't build well when the fire comes, our foolishness is exposed. Let me give you a a really ridiculous example of this. So in... um, Visalia, when we lived there, we, we lived in two houses. Uh, we bought our first house and we improved that house. Um, we did some, a whole bunch of, I did a whole bunch of stuff to the backyard. I was pretty proud of what I did to the backyard and thought it was really cool. And um, I, I thought when we moved to our next house and it didn't have a backyard that I would do the same sort of thing. It was a bigger backyard, but that's okay because now I'm a bigger guy and I can handle it, right? So We go into this backyard. We're going to build a pool. Ultimately, we do build a pool. It's a nice pool. We use it a lot. We put in a lawn. We put in um, irrigation. We put in drainage. We plant some trees. We do some other things. The last thing that has to be built in the backyard is a walkway that comes from around the house back towards the pool. Well, I'm tough now, so I can handle it. I've never done concrete, though, but Like I say, I'm doing good so far, so I'm going to be able to pour concrete. But if you know me, I'm over the top when it comes to projects like this. Kristen can tell you something that needs like a 2 by 4 I think needs a 2 by 4 that has like carved stuff in it, perfectly routed out and cornered. Like everything has to be more. That's, that's what I do. I take a project and instead of there being like one step to it or two steps to it, I add like another 20 more. I have a problem. First step is admitting you're, you have a problem. I'm admitting that before you know. On this particular project of running the walkway from the side yard to the pool, there's this, I'm going to do it with concrete, but I want to do it geometrically. It sounds silly, because it was. I wanted to make a series of sort of unmatching but cool-looking triangles through the concrete that all were stained different colors in order for you to walk on this mosaic concrete walkway that when you walked on it, you thought to yourself, boy, this is really cool. And I know it sounds silly and ridiculous. It absolutely was. But in my mind, it was spectacular. Spectacular. And so I made and I did, I made it. It finished it. It was, it was crazy. Kristen, it was crazy looking, wasn't it? And it was done. But it stunk because of two things. I had forgotten to put rebar in the concrete. And because I had to pour all different sections, there were some sections, they were all separated from one another. And in the corner, I'm not kidding you, like the second time I walked on the walkway, I came to the corner, which was a triangle, I stepped on it, and it totally fell down. Like it broke off of the rest of the concrete. So the major part of my work, this corner triangle, was gone. Because no rebar. The other thing is that i had forgotten was that if you smooth out concrete really well, it can be really slippery when it's wet. This was beside a pool with small children. We actually had it a couple times, and I can see it in my mind, and every time I see it, I cringe. We had a couple times, I can see that kid running down the walkway, and you've seen that where they slip out and then their head bounces when they hit the ground. That's, that's what I see, because that happened. My concrete was perfectly smooth. I didn't do a brush top. I didn't do a salt top. I didn't put a finish on it that was no skid. My work stunk. And see, at first, when we moved here, I could go on Google Earth, and I could look at my house, my old house still, and you could see the geometric pattern, because it was cool looking, on Google Earth but it was only about maybe two or three months that I couldn't see the pattern anymore because the next owner took it out because it stunk and he didn't want his kids to have a concussion. (laughs) If we build wrong, if we build poorly, eventually it gets torn up and eventually it gets torn away. And for us to remember that as we build our lives, what is it that we're building? Do we got good rebar? Do we have a good finish on it? Have we thought about a good foundation? Do we have a good setup around our lives? And so that in such a way, when the fire comes that God, ha- that we know will happen, that the growth that we have experienced through the presence and the power and the growth movement of God in us through the Holy Spirit, that that has allowed us to weather the storm and the fire. Okay, the passage continues to teach us about how we grow. Verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Here's what we're hearing here, that in Christ, God has given us everything. And he calls us in thankfulness for what he has given us, that everything that we have, the grace, the eternity, the hope, the love, the life that we have, to take that everything and use it to glorify him. To squander that opportunity is a dangerous prospect. We hear that because God says in his word, God will destroy that Person. Yeah. I don't know that I like hearing that. And yet, God has given me everything. He wants to hear back from me. Thank you. And my life is my thank you. So for me to grow into a life of gratitude. in how I understand his calling. And how I serve him. And how I put the old behind me. And move towards the new life offered me. Through the presence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. For me to do that. Is me with my life saying thank you. Which means for me to grow in how I understand his calling on my life is not a negotiation. It's not something where I can say I can put that off. It's not something where I can say I have more important things to do. It is the most important thing to do because it helps me grow my love for God. Friends, for us to be people who grow in how we love the one who has given us everything is the call on our lives this morning. And here it as not just one of those have-tos that you got to go out of here and you have to do more. It's receiving what God has already given you through the Holy Spirit and allowing him to move in you. Because God is the one who grows you, allowing him to move. Take away the barriers, take away the stuff, take away the distractions and allow him to grow so that your love for him might be greater. Let's finish this passage as we understand more how to grow. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. I read those verses on um, this week as I was doing my study and honestly, I struggled with them. Because you read what it says, do not deceive yourselves. Uh, if any of you think you are wise by the standards of the world, you should not should become fools, so that you may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Does that mean we disengage from the world around us? Is that what it means? Does it mean that I forget everything of the world that I become what the word would be ascetic? Meaning I isolate myself. I take myself out of the world and I just only have this nice little glass bubble where everything is godly. Everything is pure. Everything is good. Is that what I'm called to do? I certainly don't think so. Because the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God, second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a level in which I have to engage with the world around me. So how do I then think about the world that I live in and not become a fool? It means that I allow all things in my life to move me towards Jesus. And if it doesn't move me towards Jesus and loving others better, then I forget about it. Let me give you an example. It's very contemporary because we know that uh, in the last 24 hours, um, our president has uh, decided to take on the NFL. And if you know anything about the tweets, the tweets are, it's crazy stuff. Let's just admit that. It's crazy stuff where people are doing stuff and saying stuff that they shouldn't even be worried or saying anything about. And today, when you watch football, if you watch football, my guess is that there will be hours of broadcasting, hundreds of sheets of paper, it will be on the news tomorrow, it will be news later this week about this whole thing between President Trump and especially Roger Goodell, the commissioner of NFL football. To me, that's foolishness of this world. I'm not going to spend any time on that. I have no desire to be engaged in those sorts of roads. And yet, the world will say, hey, this is so important. This is so much something that you need to be engaged with. And guess I understand there are fundamental rights that we're talking about. And there, there's this idea of, of free speech. And I, I get all of that. I, I, I know. But this thing, this is foolishness. Leave it alone. Don't worry about it. And the funny part is, friends, that we actually have a lot of things in our lives that we can do that with if we but have the willingness to allow God to give us the eyes to see the foolishness of this world, the things that distract us from the things of Jesus that move us away from him. And I thank God for us to hear his voice in our lives saying just simply this question. Is what you're doing now helping you love me more? And is it helping you love others more? And if it's not, then maybe we just need to stop. And the reality of it is that some of us are going to have to stop quite a few things. And I'm just going to, I'm, there are gaming addicts in the room. There are social media addicts in the room. I'm just going to name those two things this morning. I think so often those are things that take you away from Jesus, right? Are we willing to admit that? If I said the first step is admitting you have a problem, how many of you got a problem? I got a problem. I do. I know there are places where I have a problem. And if I'm going to admit that I have a problem, you know what I need to do? I need to put those things behind me. One of the things that Nick and I are asking as we go through this series is how are there some things in your life that you can do that reflect some of these values that we're talking about, okay? If you and I are going to grow, there's some positive things that we can do. I'll talk about those in a moment. But there are some negative things that we can get out of our lives. I want to call you right now, okay? From now until January 1st, Take all games off your phone and take a hiatus from, let's say, one of your social media sites. You can pick one to have because I know several of you, you're, you're tweeting, you're Instagramming, you're Facebooking, you're Vining, you're doing, I don't even, can't keep up with it. Take off one or you can have one. Take off everything else and take a break. And see if that doesn't allow you more. The positive things like, I don't know. Bible study. What if you, from now until January 1st, memorize one verse a week from God's word? What if you, perhaps, on Thursday night, or Wednesday nights, okay? And I'm going to give you a plug. All the other legacy nights are, are, are good. Mine's great, so come to mine, all right? I'm going to give you a plug. Um, actually, no. I, 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 best... Beth is leading a Beth Moore Bible study. It's a great Bible study. My wife is, is a part of it. She's learning. I was, she was doing her homework yesterday and, and learning and growing through that. Um, Nick has a, has a story group that helps you learn and grow through hearing the stories and sharing the stories of others. Uh, I'm leading a discussion on the catechism, the catechism simply being a teaching document that helps us learn more about the Word. Come on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, 5.30, classes will start at 6.15, 6.15, come, sit, let's talk about the true things of God and grow together. And I got to just tell you, those people who are at my class this past week, I get excited about preaching, I get really excited about catechism. You want to see energy? It's in that room, right? So come be a part of that and be blessed. What if you take off a game app and you put on a Bible app or a Bible memorization app or a prayer app? They got good prayer apps out there. Put a prayer app and those, those 15 minutes that you take another couple levels you could instead pray for five, six more people. Some other things that we want to encourage you to do maybe use journal. Maybe you can journal about what God is doing in your life. Sometimes we aren't even mindful of what God is doing in our lives until we take a moment, stop, listen, and say, God, what are you doing in me? How are you growing me? How am I allowing you to build well? How am I allowing you to install better rebar to make sure the foundation is solid, the walls are straight? Because I know the fire is coming. When the fire comes, Lord, it's your work in me that's going to stop the fire from destroying me. Lord, may you do that work in me today. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we can, we can allow the water of your Holy Spirit to flood our lives so that growth may come. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that we can put away the old things of this world, put behind us the old-fashioned things and move towards those things that, Lord, strengthen us to follow you. Encourage us in how we follow you. Help us understand more about what it means to follow you and love you and love others. We pray, Lord, that you will move in our hearts and our minds and our lives in such a way that, Lord, since we are growing, since it is happening, since we know it to be true, that we would, Lord, say, this is all yours and I give it unto you. This day is yours, this second, this moment, this time, because you call me to love you with all that I am. I pray, Lord, that I can love you with all that I am, that I can put the old things behind, move towards what is ahead through the power of your Holy Spirit because you're the only one who can do that in us. We pray you do it today in Jesus' name, amen.